Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Marketing is open. Deep right side, three in the far hash mark. Bam! Lowry marketing. And marketing with his fourth triple... Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you on Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And you heard that play-by-play last night on this very radio station, Chuck Swirsky, calling the play-by-play of the Bulls. We are your flagship for Bulls basketball. Now we go to the Alphamonte Ford hotline, Alphamonte Ford in Melrose Park. We welcome into the show, back to the show, Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. And, Rob, what do you think about the Bulls making that big trade and bringing in that new guy, Laurie Markin, and we'd never seen him make baskets before, or at least not the last two weeks. So what's true, what's not? What do you make of what we've seen in these four weird preseason games, Rob? Yeah, that is funny. If this guy's here to stay, it it could really really make a difference. Um, (laughs) But, yeah... It's hard to make too much, I think, out of uh, any individual preseason game, especially I just think out of this four-game slate, we really saw a little bit of everything. Good, bad, steps forward, steps back, um, good process uh, and growing pains. So I don't know how much I can take away that's, that's lasting and enduring. Uh, I will say it was good to see, and, and Lowry Markkinen certainly seemed relieved to see shots actually falling uh, last night in that third game where he had that four for 15. Um, I thought the process was, was good. He was getting open looks. He was pumping and driving and, and getting to the rim with assertiveness. Um, you know, the, it just, the shot just wasn't falling. Um, so, you know, a night like last night shows you how good it can look when it is falling, especially with the different types of positions that Billy Donovan is putting him in, running him through pick and roll, um, allowing him to get out on the break, you know, um, cutting off ball, um, springing off screens off ball to get open three-point looks. Um, when the shots are falling, it all looks great. Um, when they aren't, it doesn't. That feels obvious for you know to say about any NBA player, but it's just especially true of Lowry Markkinen. Um, with him, it seems like it's it's about confidence a lot of the time. So um, you got to hope that even though the starters, I don't think the team wide results were what they wanted last night, but you got to hope that individually he can carry that confidence over into the regular season. Rob, one of the preseason projects or experiments, I suppose, would be a better way to to phrase it, has been Wendell Carter Jr., as in go ahead and shoot. Go ahead and shoot as many threes as you'd like. He's only been one of 12 in the preseason, and Stacey King was saying during the broadcast last night that those are going to fall during the regular season. Do you think he is going to still be encouraged that volume of threes once it starts for real? 
Well, and I think last night he, he had an 0 for 4, and I think that actually pushed him to 1 for 16 by the, by the end of the four-game wow. slate. So, yeah, so early, early returns. And I'm someone who's, who's been a believer in the, in the potential of Wendell Carter Jr. and expanding the offensive game. I, I actually think the, the shooting struggles kind of cover up uh, what, what, uh, what were a couple of nice facilitating moments for him. Um, he had six assists last night. Um, so that's certainly a part of the expanded offensive game that I think um, uh, has gone reasonably well so far. Uh, the shooting has, has obviously not been great. Uh, I think there have been moments where it looked like he was passing up uh, uh, looks that maybe he should be taking, open looks that even if they're missing, um, you just got to work through the growing pains there. So you hope that his confidence isn't dinged by, uh, you know, missing 15 to 16 uh, on a four-game sample. Uh, I don't think, you know, again, preseason. So you can't read too much into things, especially shooting slumps when you're coming off a nine-month layoff and you're shaking the rust off. The problem with Wendell Carter Jr. is outside of shooting 40% on limited volume at Duke um, three years ago, there isn't much of a body of work at the NBA level to, to fall back on. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say with confidence that those shots will fall at this point just because we haven't seen it yet at the NBA level. Um, but I certainly think it, they're doing the right thing, and, and it's not time to give up, but they're doing the right thing by pushing him to take those um, because, you know, he has the confidence that he thinks they're going to start to go in eventually. Uh, the mechanics have always looked – sound to me. Billy Donovan thinks he can uh, do a better job of getting his feet set. That's one thing he said to us uh, pregame last night. Um, but, you know, it, certainly after four pre- preseason games, it's not time to give up because adding that element to his game would open up a lot for the Bulls and open up a lot for him. Um, but I'm, I'm having a hard time being gung-ho, completely confident um, that, it, it, that it's for sure going to come around. Um, we got to see the results first before you can, before you can really um, be fully confident in that. We're talking Bulls basketball with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. He writes about the Bulls, as does Casey Johnson. And uh, we're doing it right here on The Score. The idea of Wendell Carter Jr. running some of the offense, or a lot of the offense early on, running through him at the high post was seemed to be, I, I liked the wrinkle, I liked the opportunity, but now if it's all dependent on him hitting shots or nobody's going to have to worry about him, can they keep doing that if he keeps missing, or is he not comfortable up there because he keeps missing? What do you make of that? No, that, that's that's a great point. That's something um, I wrote before, you know, even the 0 for 4 last night, is that um, he certainly has the passing ability and the ability to read the floor and read plays. Um, it seems like that shows up on, you know, just from, from me watching, that's something Billy Donovan has stressed a lot. He certainly has that ability in a vacuum, but at a certain point, if – teams don't even have to guard you um, from beyond the arc or even from that um, high post elbow free throw line area. Um, obviously, you know, you're not going to leave someone totally open from that range, but if he's not, you know, even a moderate threat, he doesn't have to be a 40% three point shooter, but if he's not even a moderate threat, um, it, it's really going to clog some of those passing lanes um, and driving lanes and cutting lanes for teammates that he is able to exploit when they're open. Um, the problem is he, yeah, you're right. He just needs to, with the threat of that jumper, um, allow that kind of stuff to develop. It's why I think those two uh, pieces of his expanded offensive game are definitely, definitely intrinsically connected. Um, and until uh, the, the three start falling, or at least, you know, um, uh, at least until he proves he can be somewhat of a threat from out there, because really in that one for 16, a lot of those are really, really good looks. A lot of those, I mean, he had a lot of very, very um, clean opportunities. Uh, I think largely of a product of defenses not respecting it yet. Um, and they weren't falling. And if that continues over a larger sample size, um, then I think the expectation for really the full ceiling of Wendell Carter Jr.'s offensive game might have to be adjusted. 
Um, but again, not there yet. Uh, but certainly those two things are connected. I completely agree with you. Hey, Rob, assuming that you agree with what I'm about to say, do you are you surprised as to how, I guess, professional Patrick Williams, the number four overall draft pick, has looked so far in the preseason? I think that's a great word for it. Um, assured, looks like he belongs. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be the rookie that racks up counting stats uh, in a way that, you know, the rookie of the year favorites, I think, by a lot of people, um, like a James Wiseman catching Steph Curry lobs all season or, or Obi Toppin, you know, uh, racking up counting stats for a bad Knicks team. I don't think that's going to be the type of season that he has necessarily. Um, but I think he really is already the, the team's second or third best defender. Um, his, especially his off-ball instincts are just so uh, mature, I think, for someone his age. Um, he's really, you know, disruptive, athletic. We know about the NBA physicality, the NBA ready body, um, and, and things along those lines. I think the, the offensive flashes, you know, he has moments, he had, an, he had a, uh, a little bit of a struggle shooting the ball last night, but the offensive moments where he has been able to handle, um, and elevate, um, he, he's had moments where it looks like that, that little mid range pull-up game that he has, um, he, even, you know, as a catch and shoot three point shooter, um, it looks like that certainly has a chance to develop. Um, but the most encouraging part is he doesn't get sped up out there, um, or at least right. it doesn't appear that he does, and that jibes with kind of the off-the-court stuff you hear about him um, in terms of his maturity and, and curiosity and things like that. So, um, you know, even just numbers aside, I don't know how you can watch those four preseason games and think Patrick Williams doesn't belong on an NBA floor. Um, I, I think it was largely encouraging what, what he showed over the last week. So can can our guest is Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking Bulls basketball here on The Score what do you think of Zach Levine and Kobe White, the same backcourt? The, can they outscore their inability to play defense largely? Are they going to can, – can they run? Can they do it? Can they share one basketball? Is, is this going to – how long does this go on before something changes if it needs to? Maybe it doesn't. I, I, what do you think, Rob? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know that the ball sharing uh, uh, point is one that I would be concerned about because I think, you know, and you saw it in the game where they combined for 51, the third preseason game where they kind of took turns, um, you know, in terms of having the hot hand. Uh, Zach, I think, had 20 in the, in the first half, and then he kind of got out of Kobe's way as he heated up uh, in that third quarter. Um, or I think he went 7 to 10 from the floor. He was just infernal. Stuff. So I don't think that's as much of an issue. The defensive side is certainly, um, I, I think, a pretty big point of concern, especially uh, when you think about how many prolific backcourts there are in the NBA um, these days. I think they'll, they'll certainly get the full experience against Atlanta in the opener. Um, when you think about having to corral guys like Trey Young and Bog, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, I, I like the effort, I think, for, in the preseason that I saw from Zach, um, creating a lot of deflections, super active. It's clear, and it was clear at points last year, too, that he's really, really focused and intent on getting better on that side of the ball. Um, now, whether that actualizes, we got to see. Kobe, I, another one where I think the effort was there, but it's, you know, the results just aren't always are. That's, that's an area of the floor I would be more concerned about than maybe the offensive side. Um, in terms of how far it'll go, I mean, I think it's this year. I think this is the, the kind of moment of reckoning year for a lot of players on this roster, and I think that starting backcourt certainly counts among that because, they didn't, you know, the new front office didn't change this roster much this offseason. Um, but once they get a good sample size of seeing how these guys fit together, um, you know, the trade deadline comes up next offseason when they'll have some cap flexibility comes up. And I think that's the time when, when changes start to happen. So 
Um, you know, I know this is a young group, but the, the onus really is right out of the gate um, to, to prove that not only do they fit in terms of a long-term fit um, for this Bulls team, but that they all fit together um, in that same kind of way. So I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that they'll have very long uh, to prove that at all. I think the time is now. And with those two guys, with, with Kobe White and Zach Levine, I foresee a, I think, healthy competition brewing between those two because Kobe White's going to start from game one. You could already yeah. tell he's imposing his will a little bit more. Do you think it's going to be a healthy um, competition, or, or could there be conflict there with those two eventually? I, just, I think they've had such a strong relationship from the beginning. I mean, really, if you go back to the beginning of last season, Zach, was one of Kobe's first advocates. Um, after that, I think it was the second game of the season last year in Memphis. Um, the Bulls had a comeback victory where Kobe dropped 25, outplayed John Morant. And Zach was one of the first people to say, listen, this is what I've been saying all training camp. This kid's got it. Um, throughout the season, that persisted. Um, you know, as it got later and the season looked more lost and Kobe started playing better and it was kind of like, why isn't this guy starting? Zach was, was hard on the train of, we can play together. He takes pressure off me as a scorer because mm-hmm. – and maybe it'll be different this season, but last year, I mean, it was really just, if Zach wasn't making shots, there was just nothing offensively going for this team. And, and you know, he, he uh, garnered a lot of defensive attention because of that, and Kobe helps in that regard. So I think that's healthy. Uh, I just think there's, there's such a healthy relationship between the two of them that I, again, I, I don't think either of them are individual stack guys or let me get mine before the team gets theirs guys overall. Um, I think they both have kind of a team-focused approach, and you see the way that Kobe has talked about wanting to take on point guard responsibilities and be more of a facilitator, be more of a playmaker. Now, again, that's another one where this preseason is a mixed bag. Um, you know, almost as many turnovers as assists, and, uh, you know, there are flashes where it's there, there's flashes where it's not. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything unhealthy interpersonally to pop up, but if the basketball fit isn't there, you know, like I said, this, this front office isn't going to play games. They're not married to any of these guys outside of, perhaps Patrick Williams, the guy that they just drafted. Um, so they'll do whatever they got to do. But I, I wouldn't expect anything unhealthy uh, chemistry-wise, even if the on-court stuff uh, doesn't fully reach its potential. Rob Shavers, our guest here on The Score, NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking Bulls basketball. So we're coming up. Christmas is in a week. How long before the Bulls play on Christmas again at any point in time, at <laughs> any of those games? Yeah, I was, I, I was actually um, – a couple weeks ago, you kind of forecast your schedule and you figured that the, the season's going to get moved up. And uh, even before they announced the schedule, it was pretty easy to check off Christmas Day as an off day. So <laughs> that, that, that was fine with me, but it might, it, it, it might, be, it might be another year or two here uh, at the very least. But, you know, at least we could say it's a trajectory that you could start tracking as going upward at this point. Hey, last guy I want to ask you about is, is Chandler Hutchison. I love his athleticism, some of the power dunks he's hit throughout the preseason. He hit some threes last night. What's your scouting report on him and, and maybe his ceiling? Yeah, no, I, I've, liked, I've liked what I saw at Hutch this preseason. For him, it's always been availability. I mean, you could say that with a lot of guys on this team, but him um, especially so. Um, you know, athletic, long, rangy, I mean, really intense. You know, he, I think he dove into the second or third row last night on, a, on an innocuous first quarter play. Um, you know, chasing a loose ball and had a pretty nice save. So that just kind of shows you the intensity that he plays with when he is out there. Um, really capital E explosive finisher Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, dunking and things like that. Um, I just think he's a smart, smart, smart defensive player that can really be dangerous on the fast break when you get him running. Um, 
The the problem with him has also been the three point shooting. He made two or four threes last night. Is that sustainable? I don't know. Um, but that would certainly be an encouraging element to add. I think as a seventh or eighth man for this team, and just as another you know six eight athletic guy that can kind of toggle between the three and four spots, along with Otto Porter Jr. and Patrick Williams. I think that's such a valuable archetype in the league where there are so many explosive wing scorers. It's a position the Bulls just haven't. I mean, there were games last year where they were, you know, running Kobe at the three, Ryan Archidiakono at the three. Like, that's just such a valuable archetype for this team that they haven't really had because of injuries over the last few years. Um, So, you know, I love what I've seen out of Hutch this preseason. Um, I think if he could stay healthy, I don't see why he can't have a year that surprises people. Um, And, yeah, no, I I certainly agree that – um, that he's someone to certainly watch and, and be intrigued by this year. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I've I've been seduced a little bit by his dunk game, so I think that's probably why I'm I'm asking more than anything. I mean, he he reminds me a little bit as far as his dunks are concerned, at least not his whole game, but of Taj Gibson, the way Taj was just like those angry, you know, sure. way over the rim, powerful dunks. So I think that's why I'm asking more than anything. But he did hit a couple threes last night, as you mentioned. Yeah, and the def- I mean, it's really the defensive end for me where his where his value truly lies. Just he he, he could switch out on the guards. Um, he's obviously big and athletic enough um, to kind of hang with bigger guys too. And just really has a knack for the ball. You know, big. I, I think if he you know gets an extended sample size here, he could be a guy that racks up um, steals and blocks and and things of that nature. And ju- and just a body at that wing spot. Yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah. Rob, we appreciate your time. Have a good holiday. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to speaking to you the uh, the rest of the uh, Billy Donovan. Thank God he's not Jim Boylan tour. Yeah, it should be a fun season. Always good to talk to you guys. All right, thanks. That's Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports, Chicago, and uh, and we were we're going to take a break. When we come back. We have good injury news for the Bears, and even better, we have what Mark heard. We have mm-hmm. a number of things that Mark Rohde will bring us. And as we go out today, Stifler is in producing in place of uh, Trash Panda, who has been moved up to adult shows. We've lost another one, Mark. And Jesus. so Stifler is here. Oh, I got an email from Alice. Um, and that was very nice. Alice is adding to the momness of the show. We love, we love sweet Alice. And, um, and her hope her and shooter are healthy through the holidays and into next year. But Great. Stifler, Stifler, we um, I think we're going to start rolling out the catalog. I think the end of Hanukkah, the coming of Christmas, we need to play um, part of the Saturday Suckage catalog, which would to now would be Christmas time for the Jews. So let's go out with that before we come back with what Mark heard. Chicago Sports Radio. On Christmas Eve, the Gentiles gather round the Christmas tree. They stay at home and party with their Goyesha family. They disappear one day each year and pass the eggnog round. But it's all right, because that's the night the Jews control the town.
from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game you have 47 new voicemails download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollars per order additional terms apply Selling a little or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way pick your favorite team your favorite players and get customized highlights stories and breaking news right on your home feed Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We don't have turds on this team. It's time for What Mark Heard, a rundown of the best sound coming out of Hallis Hall this week on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Yes, indeed. What Mark Heard. That's our new signature segment. Our guy at Hallis Hall, Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage. And the, the, we start this segment with good news, good injury news for the Bears. The Vikings will be without middle linebacker Eric Kendricks. He's out. The Vikings will be without tight end Kyle Rudolph and his four TDs. 
in his career against the Bears, averaging eight, 9.3 yards per reception against the Bears. He will be out. So, using that going forward, what did Mark hear this week? Mark? Steve, it's unavoidable to have heard some of the things Mitchell Trubisky was saying. (laughs) And there are two things that he said. Let's start with his future with the organization. Trubisky was asked if he wants another year with the Bears. I'm trying to beat the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. That's um, I've, I've, I've thought about it, but thoughts come and go. And right now, I, I know I just got to stay focused on what's what's about to happen this weekend, and, and that's just preparing every day for the Vikings. Steve, I think it's pretty clear that neither side is particularly interested in the other heading into this offseason. The Bears made that clear with their actions, as in not picking up the fifth-year option to begin the year and then benching him as fast as they could in game three of the season. And now Trubisky has you know, kind of admitted that he was sore over the benching. He didn't see it coming. Now here he is, and it just seems like this is headed for a, a mutual breakup. How do you see it? Uh, I, I see that. Um, I see both teams jockeying for leverage at this point. I can see why Mitch mm. has hurt feelings, but Mitch has three games to kind of convince people otherwise. If I were Mitch Trubisky, I would not trust this coaching staff at all. I would never show up to Matt Nagy because I think he's guilty of coaching malpractice. The idea that, that Mitch Trubisky can throw on the run was more accurate throwing on the run, only has to see half the field, was known immediately. And Matt Nagy tried to turn him into a pocket passer, and at the worst possible time, they put him in the pocket uh, against Detroit that turned into a key turnover that it really looks like it will sabotage the season. I'm not saying the season's over. I would never trust Matt Nagy with my future, if I were Mitch Trubisky, I don't know where you got to go, but but what what gives you reason to believe that Matt Nagy learns anything when he couldn't coach this quarterback that he knew was only this kind of quarterback three years ago? That's the way he was. I wouldn't trust him if I were Mitch Trubisky, and I think that's Mitch Trubisky's leverage. Is I just I need to leave, and you guys are going to be stuck with Nick Foles, and I think that you gives know, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Brisky leverage. Yeah, related to that, to, to Matt Nagy, something I've noticed about him that's different from other coaches and even players in the organization. Mm-hmm. It You can never, he never says anything that allows you to read between the lines or infer something different than directly what he's saying. And, and a lot of what he says is disingenuous, as is the case with all coaches. They're just saying the right things and what people want to hear. I would love to have like a real conversation with Matt Nagy. You know what I mean? Like the way off the record after he's retired and he doesn't like, cause we're never going to know what he, what he is really thinking about the way the offense has been since 2018, because he's the one guy, think about it, like as affable and as nice of a guy as Matt Nagy is, he get, he answers every question. Sometimes he'll take more than he's even supposed to take. Sometimes he'll say, you know what, go ahead, let's finish this thing out. But he doesn't really there, – there's nothing that he says that feels like, you know, it's total – like when he's asked about is this real, 
with Mitchell Trubisky? And he'd straight up, yes. Does he really think that? Does he really think that what he's seeing is real? I, I would just love to have that real conversation with Matt Nagy. But let's get on to the to the second what Mark heard quote here. And it's another one from Mitchell Trubisky. It And it has to do with the fact that the offense has started to look better lately, and they're doing things that they didn't do earlier in the season. The question is attached here to Mitchell Trubisky, so it's self-imposed. Here it is. You're talking about these changes that you, you know, went to the coaching staff and asked for and how they've had such a positive impact on the offense. Why didn't you ask for them earlier, or did you ask for them earlier, and they just weren't willing to implement them at that time? And, and how do you think, had they started earlier, things might be different? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I guess you you never know. I, w- I was asking. I was always putting my input in, but you can't change the past. So we are where we are now, and the offense has progressing over the last couple few weeks. Um, and, and all we can do is, is try to stay uh, on this path that we are now and keep getting better. Um, can't change the past. I can't put myself back in the game. Uh, weeks ago or anything like that. But it's it's got to continue with this constant communication, just having the open dialogue and always doing what is best for the Bears offense. I will say that at least from the beginning, they have always said that they were going to throw a ton at Mitch, like in training camp, and then pare it down to what he's more comfortable with. And I don't know, maybe maybe Trubisky wasn't as comfortable imposing his will then. It sounds like that's what he's doing now. Those are the two cuts. I got to say, I thought you were going to troll me with two Mitch Trubisky cuts. Where those are two cuts where he sounded far more mature and less like the the drooling Tim Tebowness we heard a couple of weeks ago, where it was just cliche after cliche after cliche. <laughs> and he did it. I can read between those lines and saying they wouldn't listen to me. They didn't trust me. They didn't listen to me. They wanted me to do stuff for which I wasn't capable. And everybody except Matt Nagy saw it. He wasn't going to read defenses. He wasn't going to be a pocket passer. And if it really mattered that winning this year was the was the thing, then you should have played to his strengths. And that's another reason. If I'm if I'm Mitch Trubisky, I don't trust this coach to put me in a position to win. I don't know that he's capable of evaluating me as a as a passer, as a quarterback, based on my strengths, because they they don't fit into his um, inflexible idea of what the Kansas City Andy Reid offense is. That, I think, is Matt Nagy's biggest problem. And he's sort of been forced to just do what his quarterback wants. Matt, don't you remember Mr. Bisky talking about this? I want this. I want more on the run. I want that tight end in there. I want. He was talking about doing what ex- exactly what he's doing now. It, at least I remember that being the case. I don't know if it's if it was when it was this year, but I think that he's said this before and the coaching staff either didn't give him the gravitas of that or just didn't want to listen to him because Matt Nagy wasn't going to listen to him. Matt Nagy was going to run what Matt Nagy wanted. That might all be right, but I think it's more of what you're about to hear from Bill Lazor, and that is that Mitch is using his voice more He's using it more confidently. Steve, take a listen to Bill Lazor, and then I want to hear what you think about this. 
I think Mitch does a, is doing a great job of speaking up and giving his opinion. And it could be very simple things, or it could be bigger things. So a bigger thing would be, let's put it this way, usually a, a you know, a quarterback will know, man, the head coach really likes this play. You know, I mean, he, he Mitch has been here for a while, right? And so he, he's been with coach for a while. So when there's a play and he really knows that the head coach likes the play, it could be hard for a player to say, gosh, I don't like that play this week, or I don't like how such and such player ran that play. And usually those are the, or I don't like the way their corners play. So I'm not sure if that's a good play this week. I mean, those are usually the reasons why a player wouldn't like it unless it's new, you know, if something's new, then maybe it takes a guy a little bit, but, but for Mitch, like right now I have, I have uh, great confidence that if Mitch really isn't feeling something, he'll say it, he'll just say it. It's not a big deal. And that, that communication I think is what you strive for with, you know, with professional players. And, and that suggests to me, Steve, that while Trubisky probably gave an idea of what he liked it didn't sound like, again, I'll use the phrase, he was imposing his will as much, and he's in that has-nothing-to-lose mode. So I think that this is all just coming out of Trubisky now. Does that change anything about what you were thinking hearing what Bill Lazor just said? No, I read I read the comments. I'm really glad you played that. I didn't know if we were going to have that. I'm really glad because I thought this was a bit of a of a flashpoint that, I, that underscored my belief that this is a coaching staff that is so desperate to win games that they will even – play to the strengths of their quarterback. Again, I do not think Matt Nagy knows how to coach the players in front of him or the team in front of him. And I, I don't think forcing Mitch Trubisky to uh, hindering his running around and forcing him to be in the pocket and to read all of the defenses with, while you're trying to win, especially with that defense on the other side, just as coaching malpractice. So when I... Hearing laser, after reading the comments, I'm really glad you played them because this underscores my belief that that Mr. Trubisky would have said this before. The coaches didn't give him the respect enough to listen. And now they're desperate enough. They don't have any leverage. They don't have a hammer. Or I mean, what's what's their hammer? What are they gonna which quarterback are they gonna go to if they don't listen to Mitch Trubisky? Which quarterback are they gonna go to if they don't <laughs> game plan around Mitch Trubisky's strengths? Yeah. Only out of desperation were that were are we seeing playing to Mitch Trubisky's strength. And even then, it took Bill Lazor, you know, Mitch Trubisky fumbling in the pocket when Bill Lazor never should have put him there in a position that important and a game in a, in a, in a, in a time that important. And when, when you listen to Bill Lazor say, well, Matt Nagy said, let's go for it. Let's be aggressive. No, the point is to win the game and you don't know how to win the game. Now they seem to be coming around to it. We're playing to our quarterback strengths. Are we in year three of this with, with Matt Nagy, right? We're going to play to our quarterback strengths. Isn't that the most basic thing a coach is supposed to do? Put your team, your players in a position to succeed, and it's taken this long to do that. I'm very frustrated. If I were, if I were Mr. Bisky, I would I would leave in a hurry. And if I were a Bears fan, I would not want this guy coaching my team anymore. But that's all right, so me. all right, no, I, I got all the good points, well taken. Let's move on to Chuck Pagano. Steve, you like red wine, yeah? Oh, see, yes, all all like. All I can get. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I will drink it. I'll take it by IV. I'll get. I'll use it with a straw if you want. <laughs> so you like red wine? Do you and like you know, Roquan? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Red wine last night was um, was uh, 19 crimes with Snoop Dogg on the cover on the label. What? Yes, Snoop. Snoop is into everything. Snoop is. He has been the third man in a hockey booth. He's been the second or third man in a boxing booth or MMA booth. Yeah, boxing booth for that 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 Tyson Roy Jones Jr. thing. And Snoop is now, and as well as being friends with the uh, doyen of dom- domesticity, Martha Stewart, he is now on the label of 19 Crimes, a a red blend wine that is really good. So yeah. And what did you what did you have that with? But now I want to know what you're eating with it. Charcuterie, fromage, et vin. What? I don't know what that is. Cold cold cuts, cheese, and wine. Oh, wow. Charcuterie is cold cuts. Okay. Fromage is cheese. Okay. And vin. And vin. And pan. Wow. Which is Fancy, fancy. Did you have a date last night? Did you have company? It's much more delicious if you say it in French. Food always tastes better in French or Italian. I mean, you could, you right? Like, and it's more fun when it's fun to say. Like, um, uh, Chateau Neuf de Pop. That's a, it, that makes the French wine taste even better. And if you say, Chien Chaud et Pommes Frites, isn't that beautiful? Doesn't oh. that sound much more fun than just saying a hot dog and fries? Right, cheese which, and crackers. Is, yeah, there you go. So that's it. So that's my... Wow, so fancy night at the at the Rosenblum house last night. <laughs> okay, so you like you like red wine. Do you also do. like what you've seen from Roquan Smith this year? Uh, I think he has been been huge a breakout. He's all over. He's a, he's been the sideline to sideline guy. He's been the straight ahead. He's shown he's gotten s- some guys as fast as he is, as talented as he is, make up for mistakes with that kind of speed or that wild ability. He just looks like one of the smarter players I've seen play defense for the Bears, a team that's known for quality defensive players. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. He is Brian Urlacher without the size and without quite the speed. So he's actually not Brian Urlacher. But (laughs) since you like Roquan Smith and you like red wine, you are going to love what you're about to hear from the oh. Bears defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano. Here's Chuck. What's impressed you about the way Roquan Smith has played this season? And can, can you compare it to anybody you've coached before or seen before? Yeah, I mean, I was around some decent guys. Um, one, in, one in Baltimore was pretty good. Um, but this guy prepares and practices uh, uh, just like that dude, uh, you know, 52. He's, uh, he's playing at a really high level, and he's been really consistent. You know, I can just see his play, you know, getting better and better and better, you know, every single week. And he goes out and he has dominant uh, performances. Last week was uh, was no different. You know, he, he did one heck of a job. And, you know, he, he's, he's taken advantage of some opportunities that are presenting themselves, you know, in the run game and the pass game and coming up with a, a couple sacks, you know, uh, in certain situations and guys playing off each other. So really proud of uh, – you know, his leadership, his communication. If you guys could uh, be at practice and, and watch us go through a walkthrough, watch us go through a, a run period, a blitz period, a seven-on-seven, seven, 
I mean, he's he's like a, a he's getting the front lined up. He's making checks that normally backers don't make. You know, him and Danny working in unison together. It's uh, it's pretty unique, and it's again, it's a it's a byproduct of that kid's preparation. He watches a, a ton of film. So come game day, I mean, it's no surprise he can play as fast and and make as many plays as he does. Wait a minute, was the wine stuff on there? Did I miss it? I uh, know, but the Ray Lewis stuff was on there. Oh man, that was so the un- was... that was the unnamed fifty-two. Wasn't like Khalil a fine Mack? wine. He's 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 getting better, you know, with age. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I blew it on that one. Okay. No, I, didn't. I, didn't. I, I, he was very specific about the, the. He was very. He was getting really specific and into the nitty gritty about certain kinds of wines, like Duckworth wine or something. I, I don't know wine Duckhorn. well enough. Duckhorn, Duckhorn, right, yeah. and like a fine cat, like he really got into it. That was yeah. that's what I was wanting okay. to express. So wow, I just really built that whole segment up, and um, well, Mark, at least there Mark. was a fifty-two comparison. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Mark, but that's you know what? That's the beauty of Saturday suckage. It plays. <laughs> it plays. You, you're play, you're very on brand with that. <sighs> but the idea of if my first response is okay, come on, Ray Lewis, look, dude, and he was. And, and I could see that. Um, I, I could see that as a as a my initial reaction as a problem. And I'm thinking, so what's the difference whether you compare him to Ray Lewis or not? Set that as the standard. There, if that's what you want to be the bar, that's great. Why wouldn't you? I don't think you get an argument from Roquan Smith either. Yeah, it's nope. okay if I get up to that. So I don't think it's like I don't think it's. It's too much. Maybe it's because he's out of town and like you came on. Would it be worse if Chuck Pagano said he's the next Erlacher than saying he's the next Ray Lewis? Would would you, would there be more perceived pressure? Probably, yeah. And there probably would be a lot more pushback on that one, right? Yeah. I mean, it, so maybe because he's out out of town and and Roquan Smith hasn't been associated with a double murder or pled guilty to anything involving in that. Maybe that's. <laughs> Maybe that makes it easier. Um, we still have, wait, we still have more what Mark heard, right? I just got one more cut. Yeah, if you oh, want. Okay. Do we need to, yeah, you want to do it now or we got to take a break? I, I would like to take a break and then we'll come back and we'll complete what Mark heard. And uh, we'll, we'll get on with, with that. How does that sound? That sounds splendid. All right. Then we will do that. He's Mark Rohde. We are doing what Mark heard on Saturday Suckage on the score. You know, his confidence, I think we all mature, you know, with age, you know, so like, like a fine wine, he's, he's, he's getting better, you know, with age. He's, he's not Opus One yet, anything near that, you know, maybe a duck horn, a cake bread. He's, he's, he's moving up the ladder, you know, a Northern California, Napa Valley, really nice cab, um, but he's maturing. And he's and he's he's so locked in and he's so focused right now, you know. And he just wants to he just wants to do great things for his teammates. You know, he's a self selfless dude. <laughs> okay, you know there it is. For, Mark? Is that That's it? That's what I was looking for. Yep. Well, One segment this, later, I got it. <laughs> Ed Duckhorn is yeah. You know what? Bring money. Um, that's all I can yeah. say. And here's okay. here's the dirty little secret. There are only two kinds of wine. Those you like and those you don't. Price mm-hmm. has nothing to do with it. Where it's made has nothing to do with it. You either like it or you don't. 
and you don't have to spend 40 bucks on a bottle you don't have to spend a hundred bucks on a bottle you could spend five bucks on a bottle and get quality stuff because you like it that's really wine art music there's only two kinds those you like and those you don't all right lecture rant over now what mark heard what's next all right the finale a little bit more fun with chuck Hey, two buck chalk. Do you ever drink two buck chalk? <laughs> uh, well played. Thank you. Oh thank God. you. So thank good. You. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. There was a place on Southport that used to have two buck chalk. Way. It's three back. buck chalk now for the importing fee. Yeah, but same. Yeah, idea. I'm sure it is because I that was literally you know 15 years ago uh, yeah. when I would frequent that place on Southport. But anyway, so Chuck Pagano was. <laughs> asked about Bilal Nichols, and there is some discomfort in the response which he gave. Chuck, oh, you Chuck. know, Bilal last year had the hand injury, maybe didn't have the, the season he wanted, but what have you come to appreciate about Bilal and, and the traits that he brings to you guys this year? He's just steady. You know, he's a quiet, you know, uh, playmaking competitor. You know, don't say a lot, not real flashy, not real sexy, not this, that, and the other. I mean, he might tell you he's sexy. I don't know. Um, you know, a significant other may tell you that. I don't, his mom may, I doubt his mom would, but uh, a couple of his teammates might tell him that. Urban Brent might say that, but he's just a, he's a grinder. I mean, he got in so deep with that. Uh huh. And Bilal came on with us yesterday. It was like, I just want to clear this up. I don't know where any of that stuff is coming from. So I love, like, Pagano has proven to be a guy who, as serious as he kind of looks, he, he comes in like with a premeditated idea to be entertaining, which I appreciate about Chuck sure. Pagano. There's hits and misses. But when yep. he comes in, man, he's been around long enough to know that he, he knows he's not going to give anything away. So why not come on and, and do a little comedy filibustering? I love, I, first of all, I love your three-buck Chuck, your two-buck Chuck line. <laughs> that is just so good, so appropriate. But what happened in between... The time that Pagano said that and Bilal Nichols came on, what happened in the middle of that was Kate Urban, who we've referenced before, and I think we did it in What Are You Doing, Wagner, that we'll do next hour, but she came on and tweeted, well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) I didn't see that. Yeah, she she quote tweeted what Pagano said with somebody captured about the urban he'd call him sexy and kate urban brent's wife tweeted well that escalated quickly they quote tweeted so that's a wonderful <laughs> that's, so that's a great way to end it i love that and i think you're right i think Bagano just comes on and says much like so he's a tolerable version of scott boris who has comes up with cloying just right. tiresome wear your ass out metaphors that just don't work Pagano gets in and out. You know, he blitzes it, and that's it. And he's done. Yeah. And Amen. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I appreciate it. Like, look, when, sure. there's very little that we're ever going to get from these guys that's real, real stuff. So, And Pagano's like, you know what? Let's just let's just do shtick. I'm coming in here. It's right. amateur hour. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to give the people what they want, and that's comedy. That's right. And Duckhorn. All right. Duckhorn. So... That's it for three buck Chuck right now. We're gonna, we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna we're gonna talk with Mark Potash of the Sun Times, talk more Bears next hour, and we'll do what are you doing, Wegner? And this is quite the quite the year end extravaganza. 
that we will bring you. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.